There should never be a time in the life of a Christian that when somebody says, can you tell, what can you tell me about Jesus, that we say, oh, I don't know. I'm going to have to go home and read up and study up on it. So we should always be able to talk to people about Jesus. And even in the case, sometimes whenever we're thrown into a situation that's sort of a, a surprise at the last minute, you know, we should all as Christians be able to say, I can tell somebody about my love for Christ. I can tell somebody about my passion for for my faith and my beliefs. And so, you know, it's not really a burden when somebody says, hey, this is last minute, but can you fill in? Because I'm happy to tell people about the things that, that I believe in and the things that, that have changed my life. I'm going to do my best to try to uh, keep up with uh, the the topic of prayer that, that Mark has started with. And, and I will say that uh, to start off with as a dis- disclaimer, that whatever I say may or may not reflect the thoughts or policies of Mark or Freedom Church. Uh, you know, I just want, it's kind of like the disclaimer for the infomercials that you see, you know, it may or may not. So, you know, if, if what I say is not something that, that you've heard Mark say, or if it's different, then, you know, just, just say, well, that's Tony, you know. Um, and whenever you say, uh, you think, well, you know, that was Tony. What in the world was the choice of Tony to fill in for Mark? That was a bad. That was a bad choice. I will tell you, this is a much better choice than when Mark fills in for me on the piano. So, so I will say we work it their way. Now, you know, people look and they say, "Well, what makes you think that you're able to get up there and give a sermon to people?" You know, what what is it that makes any of us feel like that we're qualified to stand up here? and offer any kind of sermon to, to a congregation when we're not preachers? Well, and my answer to that is always that God used some of the most vile, contemptible, disgusting people that have lived on this planet to do his work. He's used murderers. He's used prostitutes. He's used adulterers. He's used people in incest. He's used all sorts of people. So with that qualification in mind, I'm well qualified to come up here, as all of us are. All of us are qualified to get up here and do God's work because God uses us all. God takes all of us to do his service. So don't ever think that you are not qualified to stand up and profess the word of God because as a Christian, as a follower of God, God is going to use you the way God needs to use you. And so if God needs you at some point to preach a sermon, don't sit there and think, well, I'm not qualified to do that. If God calls you, you're qualified. God qualifies you. Uh, so uh, that's, that's one of the things that I like to point out, that, that we're, all, we're all ministers. We all minister in our own way, in our different way. I, I tell people a lot of times that, you know, even though, I have a job here at the church to lead the music. I always consider my real ministry is my ministry of playing music in places other than church because I'm the closest thing to church that a lot of my musician friends have. I'm the closest thing to church that a lot of people in the places that I play are ever going to be around. And so there have been a lot of times that I've done, I've done more sermonizing out in the, the parking lot at the end of a night than, uh, than I have in a church. And so 
we're all qualified to have a ministry. We all have a ministry somewhere. Your ministry may be in your job. Your ministry may be somewhere else. But we all have a ministry, and we are all called to serve that ministry. All right, to get into uh, what it is we're talking about, what does the supernatural world look like to you? To me, the super, I, I like to envision that around me at all times, there is an army of angels that God has sent down to protect me. And these angels are busy fighting off all the demons that Satan is sending at me, trying to sway me to do this or do that, trying to torment me, trying to make me do things that I don't want to do. And God's angels are there protecting me. We don't see it because we can't see the supernatural world. But that's what I think. I think that God loves me so much that he has sent these angels down to protect me. And every time I pray, Every time I say the name of Jesus, every time I say the name of God, I just imagine these angels that God has sent down, it's like a video game. They get to power up. And it's like they just they get more power. The more I invoke prayer, the more I invoke the name of Jesus, the more I invoke the name of God, they become more and more powerful. And they're able to fight off those demons. And I honestly believe that as they become more powerful, Satan realizes I need to go send my people somewhere else. And he, he, he takes those demons away from me because he realizes we can't defeat the angels that God has surrounding Tony. And so I see that with all of us, that God sends us those angels. So that's why prayer is so important. That's why invoking the name of Jesus, invoking the name of God is so important because it just empowers, not only does it make your angels protecting you stronger. It makes those demons that are attacking you weaker. I'm going to go talk to this morning about one of my favorite stories in the Bible, and it is the story of David and Goliath. We all know the story of David and Goliath. If you've got your Bible, it's 1 Samuel chapter 17, and I'm just going to go hit some high points because we forget sometimes whenever we we think of these Bible stories, a lot of times it's been since we were in kindergarten that we've read it and we forget some of the finer points. But one of the things that's important to remember is by the time we get to First Samuel chapter 17 and chapter 16, Samuel has already gone to David and has ordained David as, as the next king. God has, God has fallen, Saul has fallen out of favor with God's. God has withdrawn from Saul. God has instructed Samuel to go to the house of Jesse and ordain the next king. And, of course, Jesse leads out his seven strong stallion sons. And God says, nope, 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 nope. And so he says, do you not have another son? And Jesse said, well, I got my little kid. He's out there tending the sheep. And he goes and gets them. And so that's the one that God says that's going to be the king. And so at this point, Saul, uh, Samuel has ordained David, but nobody knows it yet. It's, it's kind of a secret. So we get to 1 Samuel 17, and, and I love, I just love this whole mental imagery that this, this book talks about, you know, because you've got the Philistines that line up over here, and you've got the Israelites that line up over here, and there's a valley in between them. And they yell at each other. And in my mind, what I envision when the Philistines send out Goliath, Goliath is their champion. 
And when the Philistines send out Goliath, I just envision, if y'all remember, WWE used to have this, you know, the music would kick up and then you'd have the Undertaker or Stone Cold Steve Austin or whoever it is that would walk down the, the ramp and like the music's just blasting and everything's going on. That's, that's, that's the medieval era thing that was going on there because Goliath would come out and they were all beating their swords and they're all like, look at Goliath, look at Goliath. Now we look at Goliath and we all know Goliath is a giant. Um, and it says that Goliath has been toning Israel for 40 days. Now Goliath's height is recorded as six cubits and a span. Now in Research, they say that is somewhere between 8 feet 5 inches and 9 feet 9 inches. So that's a big dude. He's a big guy. And so, you know, we look at how in the world was somebody that big. Well, years earlier, generations earlier, whenever the spies had been sent into the promised land, and they come back and they say, we have seen, we have seen the descendants of the angels and their giants and we saw them as giants and we saw ourselves as caterpillars you know and so that's that's who goliath is descended from so he's this huge huge person you know his armor is 125 pounds his the tip of his spear is, is 15 pounds i mean just huge guy with huge stuff and he's coming out every day Every day he's coming out saying, somebody come fight me. You beat me, we'll all surrender. And the Israelites are terrified. They're terrified. They don't do anything. And so we know that goes on for 40 days and 40 nights. And finally, one day, David's father, Jesse, comes and tells David, who David's tending the flock. David's not on the battle lines, but some of David's brothers are. David's tending the flock, and his dad says, hey, I need you to take some supplies, take some food to the army, to your brothers, so that they may have something to eat while they're on the battle lines. So David makes sure that he's got somebody that uh, can tend the sheep while he's gone, and he goes up and does it. And so David goes up there, and we know what happens is that David hears Goliath toning God, toning the Hebrew army and toning God. And David is incensed by this. David cannot believe that somebody is taunting God. And then he's aggravated because nobody on the Hebrew army is doing anything about it. So he keeps going up saying, why aren't we doing anything about this? Why aren't we doing it? Of course, you know, they dismiss David because David's just a little scrawny kid. And they're like, yeah, like, you know, just go on. Even his brother's like... Why did you even come here? You're just aggravating us. But David was not deterred by that. You know, a lot of times when your big brother says, you need to go on back home and and keep quiet, we would do that. But in this case, David says, no, something needs to be done. So David goes, and he goes to Saul, and he says, your servant will go and take care of Goliath. And so Saul, you know, they're all... You can just imagine. I mean, because David, if you look at what was the average height of a Hebrew person back during that time, you're looking at somebody who was probably around five feet tall. And we know from 
biblical accounts that David, even the way that he is projected in the Bible, he's kind of scrawny. So he may be even smaller than that. And so, you know, even if you look at David's five feet tall and Goliath is eight and a half feet tall, that's, that's a huge difference. And so you, you know that everybody is just kind of under their breath laughing at David, aggravated at David. But David says, I'm going to go do this thing. And so when he finally convinces Saul, of course, Saul does. I just get this great mental image of Saul. Well, here, take my stuff. So he gives him his armor, gives him his sword, gives him all the stuff. But David, being the small kid that he is, he's like, I can't move in this stuff. He takes it back off. And he gets his sling and he gets his staff and he goes out. And we all know what happens. He goes out and he's victorious. But the thing that I want to focus on this morning, and David, if you can put up that uh, verse that I had up there, let's look at that. So when we get to verse 45, David shouted in reply, You come to me with a sword and a spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of the armies of heaven and of Israel, the very God whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head, and then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And Israel will learn that the Lord does not depend on weapons to fulfill his plans. He works without regard to human means. He will give you to us. And then it says, as Goliath approached, David ran out to meet him. David didn't, like, back up. Goliath is coming at him, and David is on his way. David is running to the adversary. Now, I don't know about you guys, but there have been a lot of times in my life that I've been in a situation, and it's like I didn't have time to get down on my knees and pray. I'm fixing to walk into the middle of something. And so as I'm walking into the middle of it, I am praying for God to please give me some instant instruction and some instant guidance and to be with me and take care of things. And I believe that what David is doing right there is that exact thing. David is walking up, and David is, David is praying with the confidence and the fearlessness of one who not only knows that God is listening, but he knows that God is going to answer that prayer right then. He knows. He's not sitting there saying, God, if you got a mind to do this, I'd appreciate it. God, if you're, if you're happen to be listening, I sure could use some help. He knows God is there. He knows he is fearless and he's confident that he knows that when he says what he says and he invokes the name of God, that God is going to respond. And quite honestly, you know that God is tired of hearing Goliath for 40 days. God is tired of hearing that. Quite honestly, David could have probably stood up on the ledge and just spit up in the air and God would have taken that and got rid of him just to get rid of it. But, you know, David is fearless in what he does. And so as David faces that giant without fear or hesitation because he knows he's doing God's work, he knows that he is doing what God is leading him to do. And how many times do we 
we feel pretty good. I'm doing what God wants me to do. I'm doing what God wants me to do. But instead of doing it with conviction and fearlessness and courage, we're like, hmm, I think this is what God is wanting me to do. Let me see. If it doesn't work out, then, you know, I don't want to invest too much effort into it. And so a lot of times we do things haphazardly because we don't have that confidence. We've got to learn that when we know I'm doing what God's will for my life is, I'm going to do it with confidence. And it doesn't matter what's staring me in the face. I've got the confidence to do it. David's brother tries to discourage him by making fun of him. But David didn't let that discourage him. David just blew that part of it off, and David kept on going. And that's what happens to us. We decide, you know, we, we tell people, I went to church on Sunday. Church? Why are you going to church? You're in church? And we'll let that discourage us. And so we won't go back. You know, people that are just started going to church, maybe they have changed their life. They've turned their life around. And they're trying to do something that's good for them. And they tell one of their old friends, and that friend discourages them, and then it stops. And so, you know, we can't let that happen. If you're doing something and you know this is good for me, this is what God desires for me, don't let people discourage you from doing it. You got that confidence? You know you're doing it. Just disregard it. Saul tries to get David to wear his armor, but David realizes that doesn't fit. It's not going to work. If I try to be something other than who I am, wear somebody else's clothes, it's not going to be successful. I've just got to go face this giant as who I am. And that's another thing. I get tickled when Mark talks about when we start to pray and we come up with all the these and the thous and all that. And that's that's a lot of time when I think it's like this is what we're putting on Saul's armor when we pray like that. Um, we're trying to be something that we're not. And a lot of times we decide, okay, well, I'm going to, to start this new life, so I'm going to change who I am. Well, you know, it may be that God wants you the way you are. Maybe there are some things you're doing that he doesn't like that he wants you to change. But maybe you are what you are. You know, it took me a long time to come to terms with the fact that I could be playing my piano in a nightclub on a Saturday night and then playing here on a church on a Sunday night. But God chose me to go provide his represent be his representative in places where he may not have anybody else. And so, you know, it took me a long time to reconcile that, that that's not a contradiction because the person I am here on Sunday mornings is the same person you would see anywhere else I play. Now, granted, I don't typically come to church and play Mustang Sally, but that may not be a bad thing every once in a while. But, um, you know, that's we, we try to change. We think, okay, well, I'm going to live this good life, so I need to change everything about me. Well, you know, the problem is, is when you try to change yourself, it's hard for you to change, and you get frustrated, and then you end up quitting that, and then you go back to what you were. So, you know, don't try to be something that you're not. We all have gifts. We all have abilities. 
Some people's gifts and abilities are different than others. You know, it, it wouldn't matter how bad I wanted to be a painter. I can't paint. I can't draw. I can't do anything that requires any sort of artistic stuff with a, with a pencil or a, or a paintbrush. And if I decided, okay, well, I'm going to do this, and in order to do this, I've got to pretend I'm a painter now, I, I'd be terrible at it. I'd be miserable. And I'd quit because I would not be successful at it. So don't try to change yourself change your habits that you need to change change your behaviors you need to change but you know there's probably a reason you are the way you are because maybe that's the way that you reach somebody that nobody else can reach it's like your fingerprints you know we all have our own individual fingerprints God, uh, Goliath doesn't take David seriously Goliath looks at David and Goliath laughs and Goliath doesn't even feel like David is worthy of his time and we see that all the time. We have challenges, and it's like maybe people that you're dealing with, they don't take you seriously. They won't even give you the time of day. They don't even try to try to act as though what you're doing is something that's, that's a serious thing. But don't get discouraged about that either. Just continue to plow on. And David says what he says as he enters the conflict. He invokes God's name and God's power, and he runs to it. I just love that. He runs to it. You know, it's the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Whenever they get thrown in the fiery furnace. They get thrown in the fiery furnace. They're not sitting there quivering and scared to death. They look in there and they say, it looks like they're having a party. And there's somebody else in there who looks like God. So they get thrown in the fire. They're not whining and moaning and groaning. They're having a party with God in the midst of the fire. David's not whining and cowering and, and running away. David is running to it. So when you see those giants, don't run from them. If you know that you are doing God's work, you face that thing head on. And as you're heading that way, you have the confidence, just like David did, to say, God, we're going to get through this thing. All right. David defends God. He isn't concerned with the personal glory as much as he is with glorifying God. David prays as he is facing Goliath, and he is confident that God will deliver a victory. We should pray with that confidence. We should pray with the confidence that when we pray, we know God's going to deliver. If we pray a half-hearted, confident, mm, I'm not sure if you want to do this, God, but, you know, if you do, what's God thinking when he hears that? Make up your mind. What do you want? You know, God wants us to be confident when we talk to him. God wants us to know, I've given you all my power. I give you everything everything that there is within me i just need you to be part of my family and i just need you to to talk to me and so god just wants us to be confident whenever we face these trials and these struggles obviously we talk about giants and we you know goliath is the the symbol for the giants in our life. We all know what the giants are in our lives. We the peer pressure. If you're a teenage kid, there is no bigger giant in this world than trying to fit in, trying to be popular. 
you work in a middle school or a high school, and the things that we go through as adults pale in comparison to what poor 13, 14-year-old kids are dealing with trying to just get through middle school and high school because they've got people making fun of them because they don't do something, kids making fun of them because they do do something, kids making fun of them because of what they wear, what they're not wearing. It's, it's miserable, and that's a terrible thing. That peer pressure, I bet you if we, if we all sat down and wrote some experience, some worst experience of our life, probably a large percentage of us, it would be something that happened when we were 13 or 14 years old. Because it's just a terrible time. Because we so want to be accepted. We so want to do things. You know, I, I, I don't know, John, you might could answer this better. I, I would guess a lot of people who find themselves in some sort of addictive lifestyle begin when they're young kids. Because they're trying to fit in. You know, they're trying to be cool. Hey, if you're cool, you'll smoke this cigarette. If you're cool, you'll take this pill. If you don't, you know, we'll make fun of you. And so, you know, it's it's a tough time. But then as we get older, you know, we have we have the the giants of jealousy, envy, greed, addiction, you know, the things that we face as adults that that we try to face and we're scared to face we're try we're scared to take them on because taking them on means that we have to change something or we have to do something and we get so used to it that we'd rather live with the with the pain that we have than to try to change it but those are the giants that we have in our lives and and david tells us the way to deal with it you know i would think if you're trying to to stop doing something that you don't want to do to go into it and say, I'm facing this today with God. I'm invoking the power of God, and we're going to get through this. And with God's help, we're going to defeat this giant that we're facing today. And so there's all these wonderful things that, that we should remember from the story that we learn when we're in kindergarten. You know, it's like all these great stories that we learn in kindergarten, and they have such great messages, and then we, we forget about them. But I would say that as we go through times that we feel like we're up against something that we can't see any way that we're going to be able to get through this thing, just remember David was in the middle of something that nobody, nobody except for David and God. David and God were the only two people that existed. God as the Spirit and David as a person, the only two entities that believed David was going to be successful at defeating Goliath. But he was. And so don't worry if the whole world thinks you're crazy. Don't worry if the whole world thinks there's no way you can do it. You got a God that's bigger than the whole world. And so, you know, that God can, can do anything. He just needs you to ask him for his help and to know that you are going to open up your heart and let him be part of it. And then he's going to be right there beside you or in front of you. You know, I, I, somebody was talking about Jesus had put me on a path to walk through a desolation. And he sent me on my way. And, and I had an argument with my friend who told me that. I said, 
Jesus doesn't send us on our way. Jesus is with us on our way. You know, I don't believe that Jesus, like, kicks me out the door and says, there you go, now have at it. You know, Jesus is either blazing the path for me or pushing me or pulling me or whatever it is. But, you know, Jesus is right there with me. Jesus is right there with all of us. So we have to remember that, that we don't face these things by ourselves. And as we've said before, once you invoke the name of Jesus, all of his power is there for you. That's hard for us to even imagine and envision that all the things that Jesus did, he tells us we can do if we will have faith. But that's the truth. I know that there are people out there that say, well, that's easy to say because you like to talk. But, you know, some of us don't like to talk that much. And some of us don't know what to say. Some of us don't think that we can pray. And if you don't believe that, I'm going to tell you one encounter I had one night. I was packing my keyboard up. I was playing in downtown Mobile. I was packing my keyboard up in my car. And from around the corner, this gentleman who appeared to be homeless kind of came out of the corner and uh, it's funny because they always start the same way hey i hear you're a preacher you know that's kind of it gets around in a hurry when you go to church and you play music and you're in places where people who usually go to church and play music don't happen to be it goes around in a hurry so it's like hey hey i hear you're a preacher i'm like no i'm not a preacher i just work at a church well I need somebody to pray for me. And I'm like, well, okay. Well, you know, you know, you can pray directly to God. You don't need somebody to pray for you. You you have the power to pray. God will hear you. Yeah, but I don't know what to say. And you tell people, just say what's on your heart. But he was convinced God was not going to listen to him. And there are people that, that we know. There may be some of you in here that just believe, I can't do it. I don't know how, and if I did do it, God wouldn't hear it. But to that I say, find somebody who can. You know, there are some of us who have the ability to play a musical instrument. Some of us have the ability to to draw. Some of us have the ability to do other things. And there are some people that just have this uncanny ability to say a prayer. And when you hear them say a prayer... You just listen to them, and it's like, man, it's like it's like you're hearing God speak. And you know that there's just something that they have that you don't have when it comes to saying a prayer. And, and I love that because you know that that's a person who that's their gift. And most of the time, the people that do that, they know that's their gift. Larry Milstead and I went to a church in, in Baymanette, grew up there. He was my preacher growing up. His name was Dan Christenberry. And Brother Chris would pray, and when he would pray, you would swear the voice of God was coming down from heaven and going through his mouth. To such an extent that to this day, Whenever somebody says, God, the mental image I have is Brother Chris. 
Now, we all have that. We all have a mental image of God, whether you know it or not. Whenever you hear God, this mental image pops up. We all have it. And so, you know, in my mind, whenever I hear God, Brother Chris pops up. Larry, I mean, probably a lot of people who went to church there think that, don't they? Oh, he had a handshake. Now, when you would shake his hand, it was the hand of God, too. Not only was it the voice of God, it was the hand of God. You did not shake his hand that you didn't come away kind of shaking your, your own hand a little bit. But we have people in this world who can pray. And these people would be happy to pray for you. There are people who can't really pray who would be happy to pray for you. But what we need for you to do is if you are that person who for whatever reason, feels uncomfortable to pray, you need to find that prayer partner. You need to find that person that can be with you, that you can say, hey, I need some prayer. I don't really know what to say. I don't really know how to do it. But I need you to pray for me. Because even if you don't are not a person who feels like you can pray, you, you need to be in prayer, even if that's through somebody else. I don't know how that works theologically, but, you know, I'm sure that God hears those prayers on your behalf. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I surely hope that what you heard was relevant and helpful and above everything. I hope that what you experienced today really helped your heart to connect with the heart of God. Now, if what you heard uh, for you stirred up any questions or maybe led you toward some type of spiritual decision. Maybe you want to talk with someone about something that's on your mind. I would love to hear from you. And so I would encourage you, reach out by email. At the bottom of the screen, you see my email address. It's mark at myfreedomchurch.net. That's not going to go to a secretary or an assistant. That will come directly to me. I'd love to hear from you and talk with you about anything that's on your mind. And if in the future you're in our area, we would love for you to come and worship with us at Freedom Church. But until then, we invite you to access all of the sermon material that you find online. Again, thanks so much for taking the time to join us today. Hope that you have a great day.